Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we're chatting with Blake Hutchison, who is the CEO of Flippa.com. Flippa is a site where you can buy and sell websites and online businesses and blogs and e-commerce stores. And uh, I've been on their email list for a long time. So when I saw uh, an invitation come in for him to be on my podcast, it was like, yes. So I get a lot of requests to be on my podcast and normally... Uh, the large majority, large majority of the time, it's not a fit, and I just delete those emails. I do read them, um, but this one I was like, "Yes, I want to talk to Blake. That would be so cool." We had a great conversation. One thing he said that was so super powerful to me is when he told about his story. He says he embraced the pivot, and with his journey of moving from job to job and business to business, he was pivoting. And we talked a little bit about that because as an entrepreneur, you've got to pivot. You've got to be different. You've got to, there's going to be things that happen that you can't control. Uh, there's going to be things that like when we, like back early on, I mentioned this many times before in our, our Craigslist business, we were selling furniture on Craigslist and we got an email and a lot of our, uh, got a lot of our ads deleted. It wasn't an email, but we woke up one day to a lot of ads being gone. And we're like, that's like a large part of our business wiped out in, you know, overnight. And so you have to pivot. And uh, thank God we're not, you know, selling furniture on Craigslist anymore. Our business has changed multiple times since then. And now I feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do and I'm in my lane uh, and I love it, but you've got to pivot. And so that was powerful. We talked about some success tips from all the businesses he's seen. We talked about the different multiples. Um, we talked about investment. They have launched a new investment uh, a platform where you could be an investor in businesses. But this was an awesome interview. I love talking to folks like this. I know you're going to love it. Here's my interview with Blake. All right, Blake, welcome to Streams of Income. Thanks very much for having me, Ryan. Uh, great to be here. And uh, hopefully there's not too much background noise for everyone, but I'm here in Las Vegas. So uh, oh, good to no, be with you. Oh, no, it's all good. My goodness. Uh, we just learned, uh, Blake talked me about uh, Zoom has a noise cancellation, background cancellation feature. Uh, and uh, yeah, we can't hear anything in the background. So super cool. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, well, appreciate you being on my show. I just, I, I don't, I know you probably haven't listened to, you know, many of my episodes. If any, I understand that you, you're on a lot of podcasts and you can't check out everything. But um, I love hearing people's stories. It's so fascinating just to how you got people get started. And there's business examples every single time, life examples. So if you don't mind, I'd love to hear, you know, what you were doing before Flippa, how you got into all of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess first and foremost. Um, I'd say that, uh, you know, I, I embrace the pivot. So I've worked across multiple industries uh -huh. uh, and done so many different roles. So I started my career arguably and technically in publishing. Uh, I was working for Lonely Planet and uh -huh. my job there was to license content. So okay. the good thing about that was, wasn't necessarily that the job was super interesting, but the good thing about that was, you know, kind of you learn the value of, of the written word. Mm -hmm. And how powerful that is as a persuasive means to to sell and, and build business models around. So, um, yeah, I started out licensing content, digital. And so, that meant we were uh, producing content for the purposes of 
web portals like Expedia and American Express Travel, as okay. well as building apps for the iPhone. So started mm-hmm. out there and uh, did that uh, from Australia, but then did it from the uh, did it from California. So I was based in West Oakland. Okay. Um, West Oakland's a lot more gentrified now, um, but back then uh, it it was not as and you know that was great great learning uh, for me as a as a young young guy so long ago um, experiencing you know another another country but also a, a new way of working and a, and also exposure to to different different types of people so that was that was really cool and I got a lot out of that and then I've done lots of things so. Lonely Planet got acquired by the BBC, so I did a short stint in New York City working for the BBC, mm-hmm. a very formal corporate organization. Yeah. And then I would say for the rest of my career, um, it's been very much about startups and, and chasing fast growth. Uh-huh. And so I did that in the Valley, Silicon Valley. I built my own business, which was a content business uh, that ultimately became a, a commerce marketplace. Uh-huh. Uh, I then work, worked for the cloud accounting software provider Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I then ran an online travel agency. Wow. And so I suppose the theme to all of this is um, I've got a really diverse skill set. And so you can yeah. apply that almost anywhere. And then the other thing is over the last couple of jobs that I've done um, or exec- executive level roles that I've had, um, I've been working for founders. And so that's a unique experience because founders are unique. Yeah. Um, so Flip has been around for 13 years. I've been running this show for four years. And I report to the board, but I spend most of my time uh, with the founders yeah. ar- architecting our plans and yeah. our growth strategy and obviously deploying a team around the world. So hopefully that helps with my story. I've got yeah. me- many, many stories of bad ideas and stuff-ups. And um, I was telling some stories the other night and people were laughing, like the day I had to pack boxes on Christmas Day because uh-huh. I couldn't find a postman to deliver them and drive around Melbourne in Australia delivering boxes anyway. Oh, my goodness. I to be spending time with my family. You know, the things you do when you're a business owner are a bit crazy. Yes. You're just trying to put a roof over your head sometimes. So I empathize with all the great business owners that list on our platform, and and here I am. I'm still alive. That's awesome. What are some of the – what are some other funny stories besides that? Anything that come to mind um, or – and or bad ideas that you've had or things that didn't work? (laughs) Yeah, so one of the uh, worst ideas I had was to create a, a marketplace to buy and sell specialty food. Uh-huh. And, you know, it sounds like an okay idea. Um, there's certainly a lot of people who like specialty food and there's certainly a lot of producers. So in theory, the target addressable market is big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but imagine shipping chocolate uh, on a 100-degree day yes. in Australia. Yeah. Uh, imagine shipping cheese uh, at 25 kilometres on a 100-degree day in Australia. Um, So it wasn't that the idea was bad. It was that the execution was um, fatal. Yeah. And so um, that was a pretty dumb one. Um, We tried hard. We we signed up a a couple of hundred merchants. We were going quite well. Um, Customers, in theory, liked what we were doing, but in practice, we weren't able to execute to the level and to the expectation that our customers mm-hmm. had of us. Did you get a lot of people um, that had sho- chocolate show up to their door and it was all melted? Yes. Yes. And that was <laughs> horrific. Um, you know, imagine receiving a photo in, a, in, in your email inbox oh, of a no. customer who said, you know, I paid good money for this order and, and here it is. It's, it's not yeah. so good. Right. So that was a pretty bad one. Um, I also created a fake PR company one day because I was struggling to create uh, media for my business. Uh-huh. And so I um, I created a fake PR company and represented myself 
um, called the journalist, uh-huh. um, introduced myself as someone other than I was uh, to introduce myself. <laughs> that actually worked. Uh, that was a brilliant idea. I was able to trick the media into covering my business by signing up a PR agency to represent my business, which in fact didn't actually exist. That's and awesome. So, <laughs> the point being is that you know, journalists typically like to hear from PR people more so than they do business owners, at least in my early experience. So I did that and uh, that actually worked. Probably uh-huh. a dumb idea, but, but it actually worked. Anyway, I've done some really crazy things. That's awesome. Wow. What I mean, the, the fact that you said something earlier on that you've embraced the pivot. Um, like I'm also, I told you we're, we've not met before. And I was my first thing I said was you, um, one of my first entries into my business was selling furniture on Craigslist. And I'm long removed from that. Not that I couldn't do that again, but that sounds like a nightmare. Uh, but that's what got me started. But I've also pivoted. You've, I've had to pivot. Um, I don't know very many entrepreneurs that are doing the same thing that they, that when they started, so talk about just embracing the pivot, the businesses you've seen that have been able to do that, the businesses that haven't done that, and um, just anything that comes to mind when you say embracing the pivot and how vital that is to survive. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the first thing I should say is that um, I stole that term off our uh, women in business event called Her Future, which has just taken place virtually. And so... For anyone interested, there's a um, there's a fantastic uh, author, uh, podcast um, producer, um, and actually woman of many skills. And her her name is Dr. Cheryl Robinson, and she's a Forbes Women contributor. And she um, is is wonderful at this idea of um, embracing the pivot and how, in fact, um, it's it's by doing it whilst it can seem hard and the risks you take can seem great. Uh, the fall is actually never that hard. And so check that out and embrace the pivot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look, I agree with you. I think that there's, there's actually very few businesses that don't have to pivot. And we know that there's lots of great stories of that mm-hmm. um, from, you know, big brand names like Airbnb and Uber who clearly had to do that mm-hmm. all the way through to, you know, my experiences through my career and my own businesses, you know, so, so first and foremost, I will say that in my experience, and as I just alluded to before, the, the fall is actually never as hard as you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it can mean earning a little bit less money for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, some, sometimes it can mean feeling out of your depth and um, you know what some people would define as imposter syndrome, where you, you're now trying to be someone else in a role or a job where you might not necessarily have the skills and expertise. But the good news is um, that today, to some extent, it's welcomed mm-hmm. and that also there's great communities that are on hand to assist you through that process, right? Yeah. If you're looking at buying a business, mm-hmm. jump into a buying a business community. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at becoming a leader for the first time, jumping to becoming a leader for the first time community. Yeah. So the good news is these days we've got so much access uh, to tools, resources, and communities that help, can help us um, embrace the pivot and mm-hmm. and ensure that that fall isn't that hard. Um, I, I guess one of the things I've learned actually is that businesses are actually not that different from each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you'll get someone who says, um, you know, I'm in the trucking industry. Mm-hmm. And I make the assumption 
that most industries must be different to the trucking industry. My experience working across publishing, cloud accounting software, um, an online travel agency, and now a marketplace that helps people to buy and sell uh, businesses and and helps them become new business owners is in fact that most businesses are are driven and and grown through good quality planning, mm-hmm. uh, extreme focus, and really wonderful people that mm-hmm. are embraced, encouraged, and advocated for. Uh, and so, therefore, um, to some extent, it's called the pivot, but in many cases, it's actually not that substantial a change. So that's mm-hmm. that's my experience. Yeah. Is it easy to tell when to completely burn down the idea and move to something else versus to take that idea and like, hmm, there's actually something here. Let's make this work. Let's just simply do a pivot and keep the business going. So it's sometimes very easy to tell, particularly if it was designed in the first place to be commercial Mm. because the marketplace will tell you whether you need to pivot based on its commercial uh, viability. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we had one example at Flipper where we built a marketplace that helps people post-purchase. Uh-huh. So someone spends, um, call it whatever, half a million dollars on an online business. Could be an e-commerce business. Could be a SaaS business. Could be a blog. Could be an app. And then our theory was great. We will assemble a network of providers who want to sell their services to people post-acquisition mm-hmm. to ensure that they become better business owners. So SEO services, design services, development services. Yeah, yeah. Now, I would have thought that's a wonderful idea, but we just had very, very, very few people mm-hmm. who bought a business who progressed through our marketplace. Now, there could be two problems. First problem could be they don't know the marketplace exists, i.e. we didn't market it very well, mm-hmm. and that was certainly a factor. The other problem might be that the service providers we recruited could be um, too expensive. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what the problem was, it didn't make enough money for us to continue to sustain it. We mm-hmm. still still think it is a good idea. We've still got it uh, sitting on our roadmap to mm-hmm. bring out um, at some point in time in the future. Yeah. But given its commercial viability, there was no point. And so the people who are running that They've had to pivot within our organization. We've had to find new things for them to do. So sometimes it's super obvious. Yeah, that's good. Um, In other cases, it it often comes down to how much time you've spent on something. Um, In some cases, it's about um, just doing something different. Maybe I've been a teacher for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was fulfilling. Maybe it's no longer as fulfilling for me. Yeah. And so I go on a pathway to find something new. I don't think it's sometimes obvious and therefore... Sometimes you actually have to push yourself to understand whether it's the right time. Sure. You've seen a lot of businesses and you got a lot of experience. Um, you mentioned planning, focus, and people were the keys. Would you say that that, like, if I asked you, like, what are some tips for success for about any business or like, what would you, you're speaking to a group of just all business owners all across the board in a conference, you're on stage giving them success tips based on your experience. Would you have some things that come to immediately in mind of like, This is what I would tell them in order to be successful. Yeah, I mean, on the spot, I would say have a long-term plan, but don't have a 12-month plan. Mm. 
That's an interesting one, right? And the reason being is I think that small businesses and digital businesses are very dynamic mm-hmm. in nature. And so if I have a 12-month plan with my strategic priorities, uh, the pillars, of course, some commercial goals, and then finally, um, a tactical plan which enables me to achieve those things, mm-hmm. guarantee you that within three months, that plan is essentially redundant. Yes. So you need to know the journey you're going on. Yes. That's good. You have to have a three-year view. You have to have a five-year view. But a 12-month plan, in my experience, has never worked mm-hmm. and actually um, creates instability in an organization. Mm. So what we do at Flipper, I'm not suggesting it's right for everyone, but we have what we call eight-week planning sprints or eight-week plans. And so how that manifests itself is we have a two-week planning period and the department heads will, against our overall three-year strategy, five-year strategy, and against the needs of the business today, i.e. how we are performing for the current 12-month period, Mm -hmm. they are asked to come up with a fresh list each time. Now, they can recycle stuff, but it's a fresh list each time of the most impactful projects Mm. that their department could be responsible for, yeah, including the dependencies. That happens over two weeks. And we refine and we refine and we refine mm. until there are maximum three things for each department. Mm. That then goes into an eight-week period. And it's not a matter of these are good ideas. We actually dictate to the organization, everyone, that the things we have itemized must actually be complete and have the ability to be complete in eight weeks. That's good. Right? And so if your vision is to build a new lending service which requires a financial services license, Mm -hmm. it's unlikely you can do that in eight weeks because there's bureaucracies at play which inhibit you from doing that. Right. But what you could do is you could perhaps, perhaps understand the financial services licenses and the processes that you need to go through mm-hmm. in order to achieve that in an eight-week period of time, right? Got it. So you break down a strategic priority into something that can actually be achieved in eight weeks. You stipulate that to the organization and then everyone knows there's no excuses. We've worked so hard on the refinement yeah, that it is a sure thing that those things within the department Departments that have been notif- uh, nominated as strategic priorities are actually complete. That's so good. Wow. Oh, wow, wow, wow. All right. I want to talk about what Flippa does. Um, so let's pretend that, I mean, if most of my audience has probably heard of Flippa. Um, we're in the e-commerce space, especially like my legends group. And so, you know, they've, they know that uh, there's Amazon businesses that are being bought and sold there. But uh, for somebody that's never heard of Flippa, can you explain what Flippa is, what you guys do? But I also want to talk about the, the new platforms you get the investment that's really cool i've not didn't know about that but i know that's brand new so that's probably why i haven't heard about it yet um but yeah tell me about flipper yeah so i guess for those new we are the number one marketplace to buy and sell online businesses and digital assets and so what does that mean uh first and foremost it's a marketplace so we have uh on our supply side we have great business owners from all over the world and they have built passion products, uh, they've created, they've made e-commerce businesses, uh, 
blogs that are backed by advertising revenue or affiliate income mm-hmm. uh, apps that might be gaming apps. They could be practical apps, uh, SaaS businesses that are providing utilities to, to businesses or individuals. And they are our customer base because they've built something of value yeah. and they want to exit. And our job is to democratize the exit. Mm-hmm. We want to make it practical and probable for every online business owner around the world to earn and get value for mm-hmm. their online businesses. Mm-hmm. And then on our demand side, two-sided marketplace, few of the world, we have buyers and investors from all over the world. Mm-hmm. We have entrepreneurs who might call themselves acquisition entrepreneurs. They believe that buying is better than starting. We have side hustlers who are looking for supplemental income. Mm-hmm. So they might buy a blog in the wellness industry because they're passionate about wellness, but maybe it's making $10,000 a month and that becomes supplemental income. We have institutional investors, family offices, private companies, private equity, venture capital, high net worths. Mm -hmm. High net worths aren't institutional, but bigger buyers that are looking to buy for the purposes of their portfolio strategy. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, everyone's in it for the same thing. They want to earn. So the business owners want to sell to earn. The buyers want to buy to earn. Mm-hmm. And so our marketplace is there to, as I said, democratize the exit, but also enable business ownership. Mm-hmm. Practically speaking, what that means is we've got a platform which matches these people up. Yeah. We're like a dating website. <laughs> we actually spend a lot of time on dating websites. It's quite uh-huh. funny uh, because they're very good at matching. Yeah. And so we do that too. And we have a product team that orientates most of their energies to matching and improving the match. Um, Practically speaking, it also means helping people out to understand their valuation. Mm. What is my business worth? Practically speaking, it means helping buyers to understand the financial and operational performance of an asset. Mm -hmm. So we connect to integrations. We connect to QuickBooks Online and Xero and Shopify and Stripe and BigCommerce and Amazon Mm. and WooCommerce and Magento and a magnitude of others yeah. so that the job of listing is easier, but the job of assessing an online business for purchase is also transparent. And so hopefully that explains what we do. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. How does it differ? Because I've had some brokers on my podcast before, um, business yep. brokers. How does, um, I think I know the answer, but how would you explain the difference between Flippa and a business brokerage agency? I suppose there's similarities and there's differences. Um, the similarities are that we're all in the business of helping people sell their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is probably that we have the power of a technology to match to that advisory. So mm-hmm. we still have the advisory. We have brokers on staff. We mm-hmm. also have a network of MA advisors and brokers that use our platform. Mm-hmm. So you're getting the benefit of the human touch, uh-huh. which is critical, yeah. uh, particularly if you're selling a very high value business. I would say anything above quarter of a million dollars, uh, $250,000 needs sensational levels of human touch. Yeah, But then you need... You need facilitation. You need tech to ensure that it's the most efficient process. So we pride ourselves on the speed at which we can move an asset match and then move an asset on behalf of the business owner. Okay. We pride ourselves on the data. 
So we know more about online business sales than anyone because we've seen 13 years worth of sales data. We see around 3,500 new assets valued on our platform each month. Wow. And so that, that valuation algorithm gets smarter. It's like Zillow's estimate, right? Yeah. yeah. Which in some cases is wildly inaccurate. Sure. And in, in some cases is, is very accurate. And it, it's all dependent on the data, but we pride ourselves on having the most amount of data to make, make that informed decision. We do that programmatically. That's awesome. Um, and then, of course, um, some of the services we layer in. So we have uh, lawyers who are connected to our platform. We have accountants and bookkeepers who are connected to our platform. We have a due diligence service. Uh, we have inbuilt data so that you can make informed decisions about the quality of the assets. So I would say that there are similarities mm-hmm. and then there's differences. Yeah. How what is it? What's the process look like? Because I'm, I'm on your site right now looking at it. So I see one. Um, these are confidential. I'm not signed in or anything. But uh, one, it's a, a SaaS company uh, asking price $302,000. If I was interested in that, um, let's say that I, you know, fairly serious, what's the process of going? To, you just basically connect me to the buyer and we do the negotiations? Or is there, is there somebody on your staff that helps us with that, that buying process? Yeah. So depending on the value, um, it will either be that there is an account manager assisting the seller behind the scenes, but yes, the seller and buyer are directly connected. Okay. Or it will be that there is an advisor, either third party or on the flipper staff, who are the listed seller on the flipper platform, right? So they are they are the representative responsible for coordinating, communicating with, triaging, understanding the buyer and and putting together the mechanics to to get a deal done. Yeah. So it is different. But as a as a buyer, what you would do is you would sign the non-disclosure agreement. Mm-hmm. You would then get access to a lot of information about the business mm-hmm. and you would then make an informed decision as to whether you wanted to move forward. If you move forward by way of, hey, this looks interesting, got a few questions for you, uh, you will find that um, in that particular case, there's most likely an advisor um, okay. that is then going to say, you know, hey, that's that's really cool, Ryan. Thanks very much for inquiring. We can see your profile here. Um, looks like you have or haven't purchased through Flipper before. So let's let's go through the process firstly quickly, mm-hmm. um, and then if you have been through the Flipper process before, we'll we'll move a bit quicker and we'll say, look, tell us a little bit about your interest, what you want to know. Um, let's set up a call with the seller and let's let's move on move on with the job at hand. That's awesome. Does this leave room for uh, like creative financing deals and these types of situations? Like you can do seller financing if the seller is open to that. It's not just all yep. have to be all straight cash. Yep. So if you are savvy enough to um, understand creative deal structuring, uh-huh. which is great. Um, yes. We would always encourage buyers to, to test the waters um, yeah. and see what kind of deal structure can work best for them and, of course, the business owner. Seller financing is common. So let's just define that a little bit. Seller financing is where I agree to pay some portion of the asking price or the agreed price up front. Let's say only a $300,000 deal you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I'm willing to pay 50% up front. Mm -hmm. 50% of that, I also want to finance through the seller. So what does that mean? What that means is I agree to an interest rate Typically, we see seller financing between, say, 5 to 10%. So I'm going to pay the remainder, and I'm going to pay it off monthly, and I'm going to pay it off monthly for, let's say, 36 months. But each monthly payment has a X percent interest rate tied to it. Yeah. The good news is it means you can probably afford a slightly bigger business, and bigger businesses tend to, tend to have better cash flow 
um, um, yeah, they, 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 they tend to be bigger. They tend to have a better cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other good good thing about that is if you do have some money, which you should always reserve, um, you can then, of course, spend more money running the business and improving the business than you are uh, paying that up front. And, of course, the cash returns of that business mean that, in theory, the seller financing should, should pay for itself. Yes. Um, so that's seller financing. People use SBA loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will say is that, um, and, you know, unfortunate, unfortunate by nature of the world we live in, but most of our deals are still done by cash buyers. Okay. Um, just happens to be they move very quickly. Sure. And so yes. business owners are motivated to take <laughs> take on cash cash buy yeah. um, than anything else. So yeah, yeah, hopefully that helps. Looking at these prices, like I, I know you you know probably really, but I bet it's the same in Australia with the housing market. Like um, if I were to sell our house, it's typical for prices here to go higher than asking price. Um, is that the same way in in business? Like if I see a three hundred and two thousand dollar asking price, is it normal for the for the seller to get exactly that or get a little bit less or is there every opportunity they actually get more than that? Yeah, that, that can happen, um, but it is abnormal. Okay. And so most businesses uh, will sell for ask or under ask. Okay. Some businesses where there is such enormous buy side interest mm-hmm. will achieve over ask. Mm. Okay. And so if you are, operating in a very in a in a really narrow niche for one mm-hmm. of a one of a better description um but it's a highly lucrative niche mm-hmm. uh you will find that there's lots of buyers who want it um if you are operating in a narrow niche with also uh very limited commercial upside uh then you will find that it's a needle in a haystack so we're trying to find a relevant buyer for you and therefore you might have one buyer interested and right. therefore you're unlikely to get overs right. on your ask so yeah. it's it's very um it, it, each asset's a little bit different for sure that makes sense how does a flipper get paid success fees so if a business owner sells uh-huh. then we make our money got it and so it is a variable success fee but for the sake of the discussion, you'll be paying between four and ten percent. Okay. Now you pay ten percent for assets up to fifty thousand dollars. But if I remember correctly, once you start it to get up into uh, seven-figure type mm-hmm. landscape, mm-hmm. it'll be between three and four percent. Now three and four percent is probably the lowest lowest price in the marketplace. Yeah. What would you expect to pay if it was uh, going with like a brokerage firm? Uh, our experience is twelve to fifteen percent. Okay, got it. This is fascinating. So I, I got a lot. I mean, I could ask, I could talk to you all day long. I know your business. So we'll wrap this up. Tell me, I want to <laughs> what? Uh, tell me about the acquisition entrepreneur and then the investment platform that you guys are launching. Yep. So the difference is one operates and one invests, and so acquisition entrepreneurs are actually looking to buy businesses, run them grow them, Mm -hmm. in many cases, hold on to them forever, Mm -hmm. benefit from the cash flow. Mm -hmm. In some cases, of course, buy them, grow them, run them, and then once again- Sell them back. (laughs) Move them through the marketplace and exit. Yeah. The investor is interested in returns. Mm -hmm. And so 
they're kind of both interested in returns, but the returns and the, the sure. framework and the function. They want, they want it to be way more passive. Yep, way more passive. They're not going to operate. Yeah. And in fact, there's far more people who want to invest than operate for obvious reasons. Operating's hard and investing if you've got money isn't. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so what's happening is, you know, we, we the online business ecosystem and the asset class is actually currently undervalued, underappreciated, right? Mm. People have heard of investing in stocks. Yeah. People have heard of crypto. People have heard of yeah. NFTs. Yeah. People have certainly heard of bonds and real estate, right? Yeah. But not many people have heard about this idea of investing in an online business. Yeah. And so what Flipper has built is an opportunity for business owners uh, to raise capital. Now, why do we think that's important? We think that's important because most people aren't connected to Silicon Valley. Right. Most people don't know family offices. Yeah. Most people don't have rich friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And so Flipper does have that network. Yeah, you do. And so if we can, if we can make it probable for a good quality online business owner to grow, Mm-hmm. and grow faster and become a more sustainable, viable, long-term proposition mm-hmm. and contribute to the GDP of the US or any other economy in the world. Yeah. We believe that's that's a good gesture. Absolutely. You're just making that connection s- again. You're doing the, being the matchmaker. And on the flip side, if investors are looking for a return, mm-hmm. to some extent, there's no better return than what good quality small business owners can give you. Yes. They run lean. They run mean. Yeah. They are. The private market has returned far better than the public markets. Mm. And all we're doing is we're bringing the private market definition down from lower middle market into Main Street. That's awesome. And so we're making investing in genuine small business owners who happen to be by nature digital, i.e. built on top of the platform economy, Shopify, Amazon, WordPress, Google, et cetera. Yeah. We're making the platform economy accessible to accredited investors around the world. Well, accredited investors in the US first and foremost. Yeah. If you were talking to a list of a group of investors, what would you tell them the typical returns are that they would expect? I would say that you're most likely to ex- uh, to generate probably two to three times your investment. So 200 to 300%. Now, why? That sounds extraordinarily aggressive, right? So today, if you're if I invest in a business mm-hmm. that is doing, let's say, $50,000 a month on in, in uh, net profit. Mm-hmm. So they're doing $600,000 a year net. Yeah. That's, that's an incredibly good business. It's an efficient yeah. business. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to pay... Probably around three times that in my investment. Okay. So, what that means is the business is actually worth $1.8 million. Okay. And so, I'm going to buy 10% of that business for $180,000. So, that's my post money valuation. I now own 10%. Mm -hmm. If that business is growing 20%, and Flipper Platform will tell you this through the data connection. If that business is growing 20% year on year, right, then I'm adding an additional $120,000 in net profit to that business each year. Yeah. And so by the end of uh, year three, 
my math is escaping me right now, but I'm on track to be doing sort of 1.5 to 1.75 million dollars worth mm -hmm. of net. Mm -hmm. And again, that business is going to be worth in this current day about three times. Yeah. Three to five years from now, we're talking about an asset class which is maturing that more people are familiar with. So, so accordingly, um, your investment of $120,000 is likely to be worth uh, three times the money you put in on the basis of the value of that business being worth mm -hmm. three times the value of its net profit. Yeah. So that was very simple. I'd actually have to hear myself back to ensure I got the math right there. No, it's okay. Um, it, does the investor get that money back only when they sell or do they get to monthly payments or royalties or anything like that? In, in theory, you could you could negotiate for distributions, uh -huh. um, but most likely this is equity investment mm. with a return on a liquidity event. And of got course, it. Flipper has the marketplace yes. to communicate back to the investor and the business owner when the yeah. right time is for that liquidity event. That's beautiful. So cool. Well, what questions have I not asked at any, or just basically what else do you want to say about Flippa or anything that, that we did not touch on? I want to make sure I make this valuable to you. Yeah, of course. I mean, thank you for the time. It's, it's always great to chat to, to people like yourself who, who have wonderful communities, um, you know, particularly of e-commerce business owners, but any other asset. Um, look, I suppose the first thing is a really selfish thing. If you're looking for a valuation, um, we give about free valuations. It's very awesome. quick. It's basic. Uh, we use uh, our historical sales index to, to do that. So that's flipper.com uh, forward slash online hyphen business hyphen valuation. So flipper.com forward slash online business valuation. Uh, that's a good way to get a free valuation and start your journey. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, we, we're – we're passionate about business owners growing great businesses. The time to exit is different for everyone. Um, so jump on our blog and, and read some some information about exit planning and things like that. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's been a pleasure having a chat. Yeah, of course. Well, guys, go to flippa.com, get grab the free evaluation, flippa.com for slash online hyphen business hyphen valuation. Um, Blake, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I, I welcome you back anytime. Anytime you got you know, something else that's coming out, uh, because what you guys are doing is right in line with my audience. So appreciate this very much. Thank you, Ron. Bye bye, everyone. See you next week.